Conversation. I'm Francesca Fiorentini, your sometimes host, and we are spending this entire segment talking about reproductive rights, something that is super important and is currently being uh, chipped away at and potentially obliterated in the near future. Uh, with me this uh, segment, we have the woman who keeps her finger on the pulse of The Handmaid's Tale and makes sure that this country doesn't descend into one, Liz Winstead, uh, comedian, Daily Show creator, founder of Abortion AF, such a, an incredible organization, uh, so militant, so fun. I love what you guys do. Thank I say you. militant in the best way possible. I mean, I feel like mostly militant is the best way possible. <laughs> you know, I, like so many words, uh, it gets redefined by people who are just weenies. You know, right. you can't even say comrade anymore without somebody like having a fit <laughs> when it's like the best word. Yes, it's indeed. The best word. Indeed. Okay, well, so this week is super important because the Supreme Court is hearing oral arguments on Wednesday. Yeah, they heard them. Last Wednesday. They heard them on Wednesday. Yeah. Got it, thank you. So this week is super important because the Supreme Court will be deciding um, on this week. I'm gonna just start over. Yes, yeah, so start over. So what's happened, I'll just give you the yeah, background yeah, yeah. that you So the Supreme Court heard our oral arguments last Wednesday. Yes. And the decision will come down in June. Okay, okay. Oh. Thank you, sir. That's gonna confuse um, you because the case is also called June Medical. So let me throw that into your monkey wrench. Yeah. So Liz, the Supreme Court is going to be making a decision later this summer, right? Um, about, on this case, June Medical Services versus Rousseau. They've heard oral arguments already. Um, it's a case in Louisiana. Um, tell me about it and why, why its implications are so, so grave for Roe v. Wade. Okay, so um, I, was, I happened to be down there um, and, and with amazing, Comrades and activists um, during the hearing. So it's a case out of Louisiana, and, the, and it, it's a two-prong case. Uh, the case involves whether or not you uh, a person or a clinic providing abortion should have to have hospital admitting privileges um, to be able to provide care. Mm -hmm. um, if this sounds familiar to you, a lot of folks when they think about um, abortion laws, they go to touchstone spots, and Texas and Wendy Davis. Um, was on the floor of the Texas House and filibustered for 13 hours on this exact same law. This exact same law went through, went to the Supreme Court via the exact same federal court system because Texas and Louisiana share um, the same, they're in the, the Fifth Circuit. Right. So it went through and the Supreme Court in 2016 was like, nah, that's garbage. That's just that law doesn't have anything to do with helping get access, uh, keeping people safe. It's designed to prevent people from having abortions and to close clinics. Mm -hmm. Done. This law is the exact to the letter same law. And just on a level of where we're at politically, mm -hmm. the fact that Louisiana was like, we don't care what the Supreme Court says, we're gonna repass this law anyway. The fact that the Louisiana State Supreme Court didn't say, you know, the Supreme Court already said this is unconstitutional. The fact that it went through the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, and the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals didn't say, we've been through this. The Supreme Court said, nah, and that it, we're sending it. And the fact that the Supreme Court, when it came to them, didn't say, we've heard this three years ago, right. it's done, instead, they were like, maybe we should do something unheard of in the history of the Supreme Court. Rehear a case that has no 
different implications, except for it's coming from a different state. And the fact that raping McKegg stand is now on the court, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So yes. the court makeup has changed. Right. Nothing so we've got, about it. Now that we have Kavanaugh and Gorsuch, was yeah. Gorsuch present in 2016? No, Gorsuch was not. It right. was. It was that there was still the vacancy from Scalia, so it was a four-four court at the point. Um, and so, so that is that is what is happening. Tell um, me about the law itself. I think folks are sort right. of familiar with it, but so, explain it a little bit for us. So. Uh, there's there's this series of anti-abortion laws yeah. that the anti-abortion lobby creates in these model, pieces of model legislation called TRAP laws. And TRAP stands for Targeted Regulation of Abortion Providers. And it's called a TRAP for a reason, because they're laws designed to sort of be inexecutable laws that then entrap a clinic and it's too expensive or too complicated to implement. Um, so for example, they have they would have laws where they would force a provider to carry all kinds of medicine that they never needed right. ever to have an abortion right and then they would go in for an inspection and see this medicine and maybe it expired because the clinic never uses it so that it doesn't occur to them and then they could shut the clinic down because they have expired medicine right. and that gets in the paper it sounds terrible so for this law they are trying to say that for the safety and health of the person seeking abortion. Sure, because the, all the laws have the word safe abortion safe in abortion. them, even though they're yeah. all from sort of anti-choice exactly. uh, legislators. Exactly, right? so we wanna make sure that if you have a complication from your abortion, that you have a hospital, that the doctor who provided that abortion um, has admitting privileges for you as a patient to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, as we all know, if you had a complication from your abortion, you could go to the emergency room, no one's turning you away. But the trap is, in order to get admitting privileges at a hospital, you have to show a couple of things. One, you have to show that you will bring a caseload to that hospital. So that, because the hospital has to cover you with their insurance. Right. So you have to show the hospital that you're going to be somebody who's bringing patients to your hospital. They don't give you hospital admitting privileges if you aren't gonna be bringing patients. Well, abortion is so safe mm -hmm. that a doctor cannot show a doctor that provides abortion can't show that they need the admitting privileges, right. so they're denied. Because so, it would be such an outlier, yeah. outlying case. Yeah. But those admitting privileges are only there if you can show that you're going to consistently be bringing yes. in patients. And because abortion's so safe, you can't show that. Also, indicating you don't need hospital admitting privileges because it's so safe, right. there's your trap, right. right? And the other part that's so egregious mm -hmm. is that. These hospitals. If you were to go to the hospital um, and 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 they and you had a, a pregnancy that was um, probably not conducive with healthy your health or the health of the fetus, right. they would send you to that same clinic to have your abortion. Wow. That's a unsafe clinic that would need admitting privileges. So these hospitals are actually relying on those clinics yeah. that are providing these in this case life-saving abortions. Yes. Yeah, so it's wild. So. That's the that's the major part of the case we've heard about. The second part of the case that was Samuel Alito's like favorite part, and this is a part that feels really scary. So, the other part of this case is the state of Louisiana wanted to sue to say that an abortion provider doesn't have the standing to sue on behalf of their patients against these laws, saying that because they have a financial interest in providing abortion, i.e., someone pays like everything. Um, that they are not honest brokers. Oh, it's um, the whole healthcare system. It's in the fact. whole healthcare <laughs> system. In fact, and in fact, 
It's the whole of every single law that has been challenged that has come down, a clinic has to sue on behalf of a patient. So if for some reason the Supreme Court said, no, we think that this is unconstitutional and a clinic can no longer sue on behalf of a patient, the patient would have to sue to challenge the law. Mm. Now let's talk about that for a second. Somebody who needs abortion care, we would force them to get a lawyer, have to go public, have to tell people their story about the procedure that they want. And second, it takes three years to get something through the Supreme Court, and a pregnancy takes nine months. So de facto, it means that no person could ever challenge these laws because it takes too long and nobody would be able to access abortion. Right. So essentially it's sort of like shutting the door on the way out. So this second part of this law is that no longer can clinics even challenge the constitutionality of the law. It's sort of right. like we're gonna, we're gonna shut right. the door yep. and make it even harder to advocate on behalf of yeah, abortion Yeah, because you would have to advocate on yourself. You would have to be the person who challenges the law because you found that it was an undue burden or this law was preventing you from accessing the abortion that you needed. The other part of it that's really scary is all these laws that we hear about constantly that are in the, you know, these, you know, six week heartbeat bans yes. and ectopic pregnancy crap and all this other stuff. Anything that's in the court system now would go into law because it's a clinic suing on behalf of the patients. And if the Supreme Court says that they don't have legal standing to do so, those lawsuits get dropped instantly. Wow. Yeah. So what are what's I am, you know I bring the joy. I yeah, bring, I bring the, joy. the joy. She's a comedian. Woo! Uh, comics here. Hey, hey hilarious. So what what are the chances? What are you looking? Um, how does it look now in terms of how they will rule in June? Well, so from what I understand from the people who've been in the courts and the attorneys that were in the courts, um, the four justices that are the usual suspects of on the right side of history, I think this is all cockamamie. Mm -hmm. um, so and apparently. Justice Roberts asked some pointed questions, and so he may be the vote that helps keep precedent. I think that he is somebody who is very concerned with precedent. Mm -hmm. I think he isn't somebody who wants to cowboy out on on state law. So, like, but the fact that like we're hoping that John Roberts is going to save the day for you know our uteruses is a sad day. Um, I feel like we've had better days. <laughs> um, I think the 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 crazy Alito. Really wanting to um, to have this clinics can't sue on behalf of patients. In from from what I understand, you know, in his in his arguments, he was really trying to paint clinics as these money grubbing clinics who are just trying to they're just trying to get all the money. And it's like, first of all, we need to have a conversation around like if you run a clinic, like you have to stay open, you have to charge money, a little bit of money to keep your lights on. Right, and they try to. Everybody looks at abortion provision as as this noble thing that just gets to happen, and people need to feed their families um, like everybody else. Sure, you are a physician like everybody else, and we right. need to start talking about that and framing it, and also change our healthcare system Absolutely. for sure. Well, that's I mean that's a great transition. Like what I, I think it's really. Um, 
It's really interesting now that you know we had the uh, the only female uh, candidate in in the running for to be the Democratic nominee, and you and I know endorsed Elizabeth Warren this time around, endorsed Bernie Sanders in 2016. Both of them are for Medicare for all. I know with you know different plans. Um, how would something like Medicare for all change the landscape of abortion rights? Well, and here's what's very interesting is it would change it dramatically because that would mean that. There wouldn't be income barriers. And you know, when we look at Medicare for all and we look at like I'm a big fan of of honoring all pregnancy outcomes. So if mm-hmm. you look at your life and and like if you're poor and 16 mm-hmm. and you're like, I would like a chance at having this baby. Yeah. Like providing care, resources, making that happen. But if you're 16 and you're like, there's no way I can do this, I would like that to be honored also to be able to pay for abortion. So I am like, we don't do that in this country. So this is the trick is to have Medicare for all, that would mean abortion would have to be included, right? Yeah. So these anti-abortion, we need a pro-abortion majority in the Senate. And so that means we have to do so much stigma work because right now, the biggest debate when we tried to pass the ACA last time was whether or not birth control yes. should be included in the healthcare plan and there had to be riders and sidebars and nuns were mad and it's like what the heck is anybody talking about mm-hmm. right so that's going to be the tricky part so medicare for all would be amazing mm-hmm. but um i think that the challenge of how do we get there because you know abortion's going to be on the table and the thing to be negotiated away sure. so it's not going to be medicare for all it'll be medicare for some right so how do we do that you know that's my whole thing is Unless we talk about abortion, yeah, what are we going to do? You think trans folks aren't going to get sold out of the river? Yeah, if we're going to have Medicare for all, right, HRTs, so, all that stuff, like that needs to all be talked about, and that means we have to have a fundamental understanding of how we honor everybody's reproductive care right. and focus on candidates in all of these parts of government who are progressive and are going to push for a Medicare for all agenda, but also understand that they have to be out and proudly saying, we wanna cover all procedures that people need. Absolutely, uh, that's, I wanna get back to that. But you just mentioned briefly like state legislatures, we know that they are the number one pushers of anti-choice legislation. Yeah. I mean, they're the ones who are bringing it up time and time again, these Republican led state legislatures. But Louisiana one, was Democrat. And it was an anti, anti-abortion Democrat that pushed that bill through. So, so talk the about the importance fun. then. Right? <laughs> talk about the importance then of these of of these bodies, and and of that work on more of a local level. Yeah, and I think that it's when you look at issues that affect, especially low-income people, black and brown people, marginalized people. We can make so much change on the state level, whether it's over policing, whether it's abortion, whether it's guns, mm-hmm. whether like there's so much stuff that's coming out of state legislatures and state politics that when you think about voting for your attorney general, right? Your attorney general, when some cockamamie law gets passed, right? Mm-hmm. And the ACLU or the Center for Reproductive Rights challenges that law, it's the state attorney general that says, the state's not gonna fight. This lawsuit, because this law is garbage, you know, we're not gonna fight it in court. Right. And so those are the kind of people that you you don't think about, but it's super important. You know, whether or not your city council 
is going to allow bullies to stand outside of a clinic or not. Mm -hmm. You know, that is like one of the number one things for an abortion provider in a community is to have a strong city council so that if the harassers are getting too close, crossing property lines, terrorizing doctors, which happens a lot, they'll follow doctors home. And um, to be able to have a city council to say, we need a buffer zone. Yeah. We, need, we need legislation to say these people need to be um, or city ordinance that these people need to stand so far away. You know, um, we get into the issue of talking about freedom of speech, and for me, it's like stand across the street and yell. Yeah. But once you start violating people, um, it gets it gets very intense. Mm -hmm. And when you have a bunch of white people screaming at black and brown people who might be going in for care, like the white supremacy is real. Mm -hmm. And when people don't understand it. Like that's where it's like thinking about those kind of things, and then it goes to, you know, what's happening on the courts. Like, yeah, talk a, about that. A what? quarter of of our courts now are Trump appointees. You know, unqualified people, people that the ABA has been like, you want to know what? We're not even sure they are a lawyer. <laughs> like, you <laughs> yes. know, it's like, are they a thing? I'm not sure. But people well, it was have an never, online course. Yeah, but like honestly, it's people who have never taken a deposition, people who have never cross-examined someone, people who have never had to like do anything to do with being in a courtroom. Being nominated for their extremism yes. specifically on when it comes to abortion. That's exactly right. On top of that. And so um, I think that what we don't look at a lot, which I find pretty scary, is how this administration, um, and you know, Democrats have been garbage also on this. You know, there's been respectability politics all along the way. You know, whether it's Nancy Pelosi, whether it's Joe Biden, even Bernie to a certain extent, you know, campaigning for candidates that I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Right. Like, no, you know, but like, there's been this establishment sort of blanket. Of really stigmatizing language. Well, not people don't love abortion. It's like, why are we saying abortion's wrong? What? Let's do a self-examination of why you think that. Because right. you want to know what? If you think something's wrong, it's not right sometimes, right? Yeah. And so finding that space within yourself and and having those conversations about what that means is super important. But like, you look at the Department of Health and Human Services. Fifty people in leadership there have come directly from the anti-abortion movement, and they're not working on anything else. That is where they're coming from. You know, the person that created the kids in cage policy came from solely the anti-abortion movement. That was his background. I just think it's it is interesting in a time of extreme tribalism and when the right has won on so many many levels that. What they do with their power is just to legislate against reproductive rights. Yeah. Like that's the first thing. It's like, like we we just want to control women and anyone with reproductive rights. We want to control their bodies. Yeah, they find that common intersectionality of patriarchy. Yeah, which mm. is oh wait, if you have a say over that, you might be coming into my space and call my mediocre ass out, <laughs> um, and I can't have that. Um, Can I say mediocre ass? Yes. Okay. Moving to obviously the national, you mentioned Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. Um, Joe Biden specifically, right? I just want to game out for me what, um, let's say he wins the nomination and somehow managed to eke out a victory against Donald Trump. What happens? Where where does our pressure go? So um, our pressure- Given his record, I'm right, sorry. I yeah. mean, given his record for sure. It is, given his record, it's, I have never been somebody who after an election was like, I'm good. Right. So, given his record, I'm gonna. We all have to do everything in our power to re-educate him. 
-hmm. Make sure that he is surrounding himself with actual leaders, especially leaders, black women in the reproductive justice movement, you know, talking about what these things look like. Um, I don't think anyone has given him a fundamental understanding of of any, I mean, he doesn't understand boundaries, right? And so when it's like, I'm just a touchy feely person, I just <laughs> smell people. It's like, really, what does Orrin Hatch smell like? You know, forget it. Like, <laughs> don't act like this is like some, I'm just that guy. Eggs. He yeah. smells like very eggs. Uh, yeah, eggs. But, but you so know, the Hyde Amendment. The Hyde Amendment, and like, and also, you know, as we talk about the Hyde Amendment, tying that into Medicaid reform, right? So we're not gonna, I mean, everybody who is for Medicare for all understands. That is a process that will unveil and, and, and do that. So mm -hmm. while we're working towards that, what are the things that we need to work towards towards an equitable healthcare system, right? So we need to repeal the Hyde Amendment. That the Hyde Amendment is is a is a federal amendment. It comes up every year for a vote that says federal funds won't go to funding abortion care for poor right. people. So um so, it, right. so we need Getting to get Medicaid reimbursement class. rates up a little bit so that when when people providing the care aren't doing it out of their own pocket, Medicaid is saying we're gonna we're gonna raise our rates so that you can cover the cost of that abortion, so that when the Hyde Amendment is repealed, you know we're doing it. Right. Okay. So uh, gaming it out. If Sanders uh, somehow ekes out the nomination and then ekes out a win or wins handily against Donald Trump, um, how do we move forward? Not just with Medicare for all, but with Making Roe v. Wade, enshrining Roe v. Wade, protecting Roe v. Wade. What What are your suggestions, and what do you think needs to happen? So I would even say, I would even I would even say going further than enshrining Roe v. Wade, right? Because Roe v. Wade has its own challenges, mm -hmm. right? Roe v. Wade has um, this arbitrary set of like after twenty four weeks rule that isn't really based in science. It's kind of based in something else, right? So what I would say is um, sitting down. With the Department of Health and Human Services and the President, like really putting pressure on who Senator Sanders puts into. We don't call him Senator Sanders enough. I feel like uh, he deserves some reverence. I'm like <laughs> Bernie is fine, but I think Senator Sanders sounds good. Um, so who is going to run our health policy? Yeah, is really going to make a difference because there is so much we have to undo and prioritizing. The, the Trump administration's new rule on, for example, Title X funding, right? So for those that don't know, Title X is the program that was started in 1970 that gives the most marginalized people pap smears, access to um, education, birth control, reproductive care for mm -hmm. like people who can't, who are just on the margins of the margin. Um, that money was cut uh, to any clinic that provides abortion, recommends abortion, or refers on abortion and has been diverted to these anti-abortion fake clinics that we hear so much about. Yes, crisis pregnancy, crisis centers. pregnancy centers. So that money needs to get rolled back. Um, and until then, we should be putting pressure on Congress to not fund the Title X program until it's actually funding healthcare, right? So pressuring a President Sanders to make sure that their Department of HHS person is really on it. Mm -hmm. um, and also just, we are living in a time that is Blooming and flourishing amazingly for for people learning about people of all genders, right? And so, even as progressive as some of our folks are, um, we need to educate people on what reproductive health care looks like yes. in our own language, right? Yes. We default to say women's reproductive health care, but 
trans men and queer people, they also get pap smears, right? Absolutely. So just remember, so really working on that kind of language and thinking about what does what does that feel like? Yes, and also uh, anti-choice rather than pro-life, which is something that abortion AF taught me. Yeah, uh, such a even say pro-abortion, pro-abortion. You know, exactly. go crazy if you want to be a radical. Come on. <laughs> Liz Winstead, you're so amazing. Oh, thanks for Please. having me. It goes so fast. It goes so fast. Follow Liz on all the things. Follow Abortion AF. That's been the conversation. I'm Francesca Fiorentini. Take care.